Podcast world, what's shaking, Chad Belding back at you. Another episode of the Foul Life Duck Dogs podcast, fueled by none other than Yukonuba for all of your duck dog needs, sporting dog needs, even if it's just for your everyday household pet needs. Yukonuba is where it's at. We cannot cut corners when it comes to feeding man's best friend, woman's best friend, our duck dogs, the ones that we rely on as conservation tools, as the ones that get in that cold water and swim for hundreds of yards at a time to bring duck after duck, goose after goose back to us to put on our strap and put on our Traeger grill for a nice bounty. We have to have a reliable source of protein and nutritional masterpiece that is presented to you by Yukonuba. Every single meal they devour, they look forward to it. It's a difference in the coat, the teeth, the gums, the joints, the energy. They sleep better. They perform better. They feel better. They are allowing your dogs to live their best lives. Yukonuba, sporting dog, Yukonuba, high performance. It is awesome to be partnered with them, and we are so proud to have them as the fueling sponsor of the Duck Dogs podcast series right here at the Foul Life and all of our family of brands. Today, our guest is a man you've seen on the Foul Life television, heard him on our sister podcast on This Life Ain't For Everybody. He has been there, done that in the world of hunting from big game to upland game, but his pure passion is waterfowl hunting and his other passion are duck dogs. He's had several good duck dogs, and we're going to talk to Mr. Les Nesbitt today. Les, what's up? Not much, Chad. Uh, I appreciate being invited to come out here and and express my opinion, whatever it may be, whether you like it or don't like it, but um, it is what it is. But I have had dogs for years. I started off with dogs as a young man, and I, I really I love dogs as pets and as, as a, working, a working partner in the duck field. Uh, I've had numerous. I started off with, with uh, Springer Spaniels. I lived in a, a warmer climate than here in northern Nevada and had Springers, and I they're good dogs. I, I really like Springers, uh, but they have a lot longer hair. They get wet. It freezes up. And so I went from there to other breeds of dogs. But uh, And it, so what would you say your favorite is now? Well, I'd, ha- I'd have to say just for, <clears throat> for a lot of reasons, uh, I like the Labradors. I've had Chesapeake's. When it comes to hunting waterfowl and really, really cold, especially when you're younger and you're out laying down in the water yourself and you got the dog laying in the water right beside you, freezing up and turning turning white. And <clears throat> the Chesapeake, the couple of Chesapeake's I've had, they would lay down in that cold water and they, you'd look at them and they'd have a, just ice all over them and they'd sit there with their tail, tails wagging. But they're a little more difficult for, for a guy like me, an amateur dabbled in field trials a little bit to train uh, than maybe a pro. So I, I, when I did do a little bit of lap or, uh, of uh, field trials, I switched to the Labradors. They're a little easier to handle, a little easier to train, a little friendlier too than sometimes those Chesapeake's are not the friendliest guy on the block. No, they're tough. Yes, they are. They can be tough to train. They can their their disposition's a little bit different. I've I've seen some good ones, but a lot they're they're really aggressive and they're 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 tough to. I don't know. For me, that my experience is they've always been tough to have around. They are when 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 I first started getting into the dog, especially in a little bit into the field trial stuff, they were pretty fairly popular compared to what they are now. Now you at a, you go to a trial, you see very few of them. Um, but there was a time when you saw a few, more, and there was 
trainers, pro trainers that specialize in Chesapeake. I don't know if those people are around. Maybe, maybe in the in the north or something where they a little colder weather. They may be people specializing in Chesapeake's and using a lot more of them. But in our area here, you just see very few Chesapeake's anymore. They're great dogs. I really, I really like them. They, long as you and the dog get along, you're you're you can have a lot of fun with them. They're hard to train. You can't train them like you normally would train a Labrador. They. You almost have to trick him into doing things, I think. Well, just because they're so bullheaded? Well, yeah. Um, when when I was dealing with the Chesapeake's uh, years ago and some of the pros that I knew that were training Chesapeake's, you, you had to show, if you showed them things a lot, I don't think they're maybe as intelligent as a lab, I don't know, but you had to repeat things and repeat things. You you couldn't force them like you do a Labrador. Maybe you have a collar on him, and they do a lot of forcing to back piles or you know fetching. But <clears throat> forcing forcing a Chesapeake can really do a lot of harm to your body if he gets mad at you. Because I've had a few of them try to tip me over when I was doing force fetching and stuff. But uh, but they're a good dog. I have a soft spot for them. And you you're. Your life, your life has taken you through a lot of hunting years. You're 79 years old, so you've been there, done that. When it comes to a sporting dog and seeing what they mean to the hunt, what does it mean? Let's let's start with the let's start with the hunt part of it of what we get to experience. And I know you have some opinions on dogs, and you have opinions on different products that are out there. But just the overall aura and feeling you have when you have Pistol or one of your dogs in the past. Pistol's the name of your yellow lab now. Um, is Pistol considered a yellow lab? Yes, he is. Um, he's just got a little bit darker coat on him for a yellow lab. Yeah, but, you know, they all vary. In they vary. But what is your overall feeling? Like, would you hunt ducks without a dog? No. Because we've traveled the country together, and you bring it Pistol everywhere we go, and you will not hunt waterfowl without a dog. No. I mean, I'm a dog lover, but... Um, Without, to me, without a dog, you just you might as well go out and shoot trap. Uh, I mean, it's fun hunting ducks, but it's it, for me on on a couple when we, first few times we went out together. As I told you then, I don't care if I shoot. I, I really don't. I just want my dog to retrieve. Um, I think the first time Pistol uh, retrieved a, a duck in a hunting situation was with you, and he was uh, a year and a half old or maybe sixteen months old at the time. And he had a lot of extensive training, but uh, I didn't care about shooting the ducks. I wanted to work the dog. To me, the the dog is everything when it comes to waterfowl. It 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 just makes it all fun. And as far as the the hunt goes, there's everything that the dog does. I love the, you know getting them out of the kennel in the morning, or even getting them out of the you know before you even put them in your transport. Right, you got you get them out of the kennel. That just they just know what time it is. Right, they know what's getting ready to oh, happen. You you know, uh, before I I hunted waterfowl in Nevada, where I, now I have a cabin that I go over and stay. But I would get up every Saturday and Sunday when I wasn't working to go waterfowl hunting, and the dogs would be in the house and. They'd lay there by the bed or jump up on the bed with my wife, and I would be doing different things in preparation to leave, putting things in my truck. And I never figured out exactly what I was doing, but at the point when I was going to go out and actually start the car and go, 
I had done something and they knew immediately. They were up and off the bed and right at my heels. They knew we were, at that point, they knew we were going duck hunt. I never figured out what movement I was making that, that triggered them to know we were leaving. So it's it's as big a thing to them to, to go out and hunt as it is for the guy. I mean, they it's what they're bred to do and it's what they do. Yeah, and it's almost like the, the thing I love about a lab the most when it's the, the hunt part of it is from the time you take them out in the morning to the decoy setup to the blind concealment and vegetation and everything being added to your blind to getting the guns out of the cases and the ammo and everything in a safe spot and then the sun starts to come up their eagerness is just unbelievable to the point to where all they want to do is make you happy and it's hard to hold anything against something that all they want to do is make you happy and that's kind of the give and take of a lab or a duck dog or a performance dog in my opinion is that you have to train them to get to that point to perform like we need them to perform. It comes with a lot of sacrifice, both from a trainer, from the dog, from long days. And, you know, whether it's training every day in water, training every day on dry land, whether it's doing blind retrieves or some of the drills that we've learned with Brad and Andrew over the past couple of weeks. Um, and then going into how much time you have to spend in the field for them to go from training to getting that that live hunt scenario right there's a it's a it's a big investment but to get that point to that point where that dog is qualified to be on that hunt and i'm not saying that uh, you know they have to be 100% professionally trained on everything and you're still going to have fun but to get them to perform to their expect you know to their full ability it's a lot of work. And do you settle for a dog that's not trained to his or her full ability? Or do you have to have one that is an all-out, badass, just rocket all-star all the time? You know, I guess that's everybody else, everybody's choice. It depends on what you, you – it's like anything. You get out of it what you put into it. Training a dog to um, uh, standards of, uh, of uh, uh, a uh, field champion or a hunt test – us uh, champion or whatever the terminology is for those that, that Axel is. Um, it takes a lot of time and a lot of commitment. Not everybody wants to spend that amount of time, nor does everybody hunt waterfowl every day of the season. Uh, so you need a dog hunting like you and I do maybe on waterfowl. You need a dog that understands the rules, follows the rules, and he does it, he does it without um, being nervous or afraid, he's just doing it for the love of the hunt. But it takes it takes a tremendous amount of time. I mean, we my wife would bring ducks and pigeons and stuff out almost every night, five nights a week. We would go out and train, and I was running a little bit of field trials, which I was not very successful at. But I certainly ended up with very good waterfowl dogs or duck dogs, and they were obedience. They were obedient in a house or in your wherever you lived or wherever they lived. They were very obedient, but it takes a lot of time. It's, you just don't train once a week, uh, uh, a week and a half or three weeks before the season and expect to, to be out there and not calling the back dog back to you with some really colorful language. Yeah, so when you meet a good kid and you go, man, that kid must be well-parented, or you meet a guy that can – that a, a surgeon you, that can operate on a body you're like man that guy went through a lot of practice and a lot of experience and a lot of education and a lot of sacrifice when you meet a guy that can blow a duck call you're like you can't you can't come out of the womb and sound like jim ronquest right you have to practice and when you meet a, when you go on a hunt and you see a dog perform it's almost that what i talk about with that give and take is you can't 
blame it on the dog ever. It is the training. It's the, I'm I'm, I'm not saying that there are going to be some dogs that don't get it. There are some of those that just aren't going to get it and they might become just a pet, right? But if we're talking about a duck dog, you know, that we're putting all this money and financial money and this sweat equity and this elbow grease and work and sacrifice, um, you can't expect them to perform in the hunt the way that a dog can. Because, you know, calling in a duck, and shooting it less and it falls in the decoys and then you pick up a rock that you have a, a bunch of these rocks ready you know and you throw it out there and your dog sees it and he's used to fetching what you throw well that's one thing but a well-trained dog that's watching those dogs cut you know those ducks come in watch and steady and they're, they're ready and their eyes really tell you most of the time when the ducks are are around right so what I'm saying is that you have to put in the time. You can't expect a bunch out of a dog unless you're ready to sacrifice. And then once they learn it, then you got to stay on it and make sure it's like baseball. If you learn how to th- how to swing a baseball bat, it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to go to the major leagues. You got to stay on it year after year, day after day, and get put your time in. And that's what you have to do with these dogs. Oh, that's absolutely true. And I think a, 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 an intelligent dog. Dogs have different degrees of intelligence, just like people. But if you get a nice average dog. One of the big training uh, things that helps the most is actually being in the field and hunting. Uh, The more you've got him out there and hunting, the better duck dog he's going to be or upland game dog or whatever it is. He learns learns from from experience of what he's doing. Uh, they, uh, uh, they They can do very well without hardcore training, you know, just... Uh, obedience is very important to them. You know, if 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 I was going to tell somebody, the one thing you really need to train with your dog is to be steady and be obedient. Come when he's called, etc. Uh, the marking he's going to learn as he goes along, or, or if you want to spend a lot of time, you go out and do a lot of marking drills. But not everybody has the interest or the time to do all that. But. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. But what I was trying to say is that once you get in that hunt scenario, uh, you know, it's easy to go, man, why isn't my dog doing what a dog? I've seen dogs on TV do or why, you know, it's not, it is bred into them. They have the genetics to go out there. That's what they were put on this earth to do. They love to swim. They love to retrieve. But to go to that next level, it takes consistent training. If you want to be in good shape, you can't go to the gym once in January and once in June and once in November before you eat a big Christmas or Thanksgiving dinner and think that you're going to be in the best shape of your life. There are some people with freak genetics that can look good, but being in shape is completely different than looking good and being able to perform and get everything out that your body can give you. You have to go and apply it. You have to stay steady and consistent with it. So that's what I've seen through my, you know, being able to do this with the foul life is how much work i mean take your son for example that guy is training dogs like there's he's putting, he puts in a hundred hours a week on a, uh, on lives, a dog more than a full-time job right he lives and breathes it you know but uh the results show too you think yeah <laughs> you know i mean uh the 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 last time he he kind of got out of it for a while while his boys were being uh, raised but uh the last time he's back in it again, really hard now. But prior to that, he'd he'd uh, qualified four dogs as an amateur for the nationals. So he put a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of money in it. And uh, and in the thing I can vouch for, a lot of missed work. Um, so it it's so. It's what's a, your opinion then, Les? If you are a duck hunter and you have and you're a nine to five or you got a job, you work for a living, which all, most of us have to, right? Yeah. 
you, but you want a dog because it's awesome to have a dog. Do you send it to training a professional trainer? If you're a nine to fiver, do you save up the money before you go and pick that, that puppy out of a litter at a kennel or wherever you're going to get your puppy at? After you look at all of the pedigree and the breeding and all of that from the mom and the, the dad, do you, do you send it to training your advice to somebody because we really don't have enough time in a week to work 40 50 hours a week take care of our families make dinner go to the store run errands get fuel in our trucks there's a lot of that's a lot of time is 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 30 minutes a day enough i don't know but would your advice be get them to a qualified trainer in your area and let them break let them get the the obedience let them get the basics down and then maybe come home for a couple months then send them back there after the hunting season so they can go to the next level would your advice be to get them into some sort of training well yes it would be and and that's just mainly because i know what i want out of a dog and i know what the average person can get out of a dog you can read a lot of books about training dogs but it's um i guess a good example is like uh, if you're going, if you if you strive real hard to do something, and you don't have yourself, you don't have uh, somebody telling you what to do. It may take you three or four years, five years to get this dog where he's doing really well at his retrieving, and if you want hand signals. But if you send him to a pro, you'll cut that down to maybe two or three years, and he'll be at the same point. And you, if you look at the dog's going to have maybe ten years. Uh, of of a lifespan for for hunting, uh, obviously, you spend five years trying to train him. You've taken off a couple of years where he's not that good. You send him to a pro, um, and then go learn yourself. Very important. Doesn't do any good to send him a pro and bring him home and have no idea what you're doing. And that's one thing I've learned with Brad and Andrew too is that the handoff is very important. Yes, it is. You saw the handoff take yeah. place two weeks ago, right? Yeah, I did. So talk I, to me a little bit about. You said in the beginning of this podcast that you have opinions. Some might like him, some may not. Do you like Brad Arrington? I think I think Brad he does a really good job. I mean, I've only I've been with him on a few hunts where he has his uh, his own dogs or dogs he's training, and they're very very obedient. Um, and Brad and I, we shared a room on a couple of those places, so we talked a lot about dog training, and he obviously is much more knowledgeable than I am. Um, I probably, um, mainly because I'm 50 years older than him, I've probably hunted a lot more waterfowl, uh, and uh, he's probably seen more dogs because he does whatever, 100 dogs at a time. Um, but... I wouldn't hesitate sending a dog to somebody like Brad Brad or somebody like that or somebody locally in our area. And in the end results, you're going to end up with a better, better deal than trying to do it yourself. What do you see in Brad when you're, when you're in hunt camp, when you're during the hunt, when we're out at the duck club, you know, in the off season and see the way that he trains, what is it about him that you see as a 79 year old man, Brad's 35. You said you're 40 years older than him. You, you know, almost 50 years old, 45 years older than him. You've been there, done that with dogs. What do you see with him now as the next generation of, of handlers and trainers? He's like um, a lot of people in various trades. Uh, and I will l- use yourself and say Matt Pendola, our trainer, people that are so dedicated to what they're trying to do. You is, is your podcast and your hunting. Matt is his training. And, and that becomes almost just a way of life with you. And I see that in Brad. The dog training is a way of life. It's not a part-time job. Um, or, I mean, he he's 
thinking of that thing every waking hour. Uh, he thinks about dog training or observes something. And something small happens, and he, I, I, it appears to me he sticks them in his memory bank. So he know he's got that in the future on another dog or a situation with a dog. He seems to be doing that. And those people are not, they're few and far between. That's why there's so many people that go bankrupt. In the dog training world? In the, anything. You know, it's total dedication. Uh, there's a million dog trainers, backyard dog trainers around. Um, we have some fairly decent dog trainers here in, in northern Nevada. Um, they're not as large as, say, Brad, and they, they do a pretty good job. Um, but he, he's a very dedicated, he's a very dedicated dog trainer, I think. He And a very pleasant person. What do you mean by that? He's just fun to be around. He, uh, I've enjoyed his conversations with him. Do you like his accent? Well, I, where I really started liking him, instead of just calling me, you know, names that I'm usually called, he just calls me Mr. Less. So, you know, I figured, holy shit, I could go live in the South. Now I know my name is Mr. Less. He calls, yeah, he's very polite. Um, yes, he is. One thing about that accent and what he calls people is that I've seen it with the dogs to where after the handoff, and I would say, like, sit or, you know, give a command, I'd have to, like, try to do it in a in a, in a Southern accent. Like, see it. Like, and I'm not kidding. It's, and it's the, he said that might be the case until you spend more time and he gets used to who you are. That's why that handoff is so detrimental. Like, um, you know, Brad requires his clients to go to Georgia and, and stay three or four days in the lodge and learn all of the different, you know, all of the different techniques that, he, that they're going to need to be a good handler. And I heard Brad make a comment one time in a tip we were doing of, if you're a good handler and I'm like, well, is it that hard to be a handler? And it is like, until oh. you learn it and you can get a dog and navigate him to get these ducks, get him downwind. If there is a wind and let him use his nose or her nose and get that duck or goose and back in the blind and ready for the next flock. That's a big deal for a dog to go one, two, three, four back in safe eyes are on the sky, ready for the next flock. He's not messing up the hunt. The timing is still there. The ethics are there with the dead birds back in. There might be a cripple that you might have to send him on a three, 400 yard blind. And he's taking hand signals and whistles stops and boom that duck is back in the blind and i look at it and i'm like there's a lot more that goes into being a handler than the eye can see you, you know watching watching the field trials um as much as i have uh, dogs win and lose based on their handler a lot i mean uh it, it, in the field trials everything is so precise as a uh, brad i think he explained it in one of your uh, podcast about sending the dog uh, using the wind, sending him off 10, 15, 20 feet, in, you know, so that he wins the bird. And you can't really do that in the field trial game. Everything is judged on a straight line. But you watch those guys, and they'll those dogs will they'll move they'll move their head and stuff around just an inch or so each way and try to line their spine up to the bird because that's how you get judged. Some handles, some handlers have the ability to do that and other ones like me just get up there and go go find a bird. Um, so handling is a, is a big thing. Uh, maybe not as much in the hunt game as it is in the field trial game. I mean, you you got a lot of room for error in the hunt game because you can stand up and yell, you, you dumb son of a gun, you know, <laughs> go over here or something like that. Or throw the rock at him instead of for him. 
So when you touch on things like that, there are levels of frustration that people are going to encounter in handling a dog, in training a dog, in owning a dog. Um, Patience is huge. It is. Because we're talking to an animal that doesn't speak English. We can't, that dog cannot tell us if he or she is hungry, if they're depressed, if they're sad, if they're, if they're, if they need water, if they're thirsty, if they're dehydrated, if they're in pain, if they itch, if, you know, all of that stuff is like, it has to be thought about and forecast of, all right, we don't want them to be dehydrated. So we're going to make sure they have fresh water. We don't want them to get low energy. So we're going to make sure they're on a good Eucanuba diet where if, you know, we're going to take them to their, uh, their vet, we're going to stay consistent in their vet visits and their shots and all of their vaccinations and all all immunizations and all of that um they we they can't tell us anything they can just show us through their performance even when they're down and whatever they're they could be in a dead sleep for three hours and as soon as you snap they're up ready there's not a human being in the world except probably our armed forces that can jump up and be ready for to go to work if faster than a labrador retriever the, and and the thing of it is they'll jump up when they should when they're sick when they're not feeling good uh They'll go out and perform, and you may not even know it at the time. Their their desire for the bird is so great uh, that you you really have to be attuned to the dog and make sure that he's not uh, uh, ill or injured in some way. Um, and, and they can be frustrated. I've had wrestling matches in the blind with a, with a 95-pound Chesapeake. I got him around the neck, and I'm trying to tell him <laughs> to do something. And we're rolling down, filling my waders up. My unpartners moved out of the blind while we tore it to pieces. But, again, that was a Chesapeake. It was a big one, and he was hard at it. Like a bear. It was just it like looked, wrestling a bear. And like I think bear. he won. Yeah, I bet you. Well, I don't know. You're pretty tough. <laughs> Yeah, I think that that's one one of the things that I'm learning more and more as I mature into my, you know, handling dogs. Because for me, it's been meet Brad or Andrew or somebody, one of these trainers out on the road, and they handle the dog while we film and hunt. To to be a hunter, and you're doing the calling, and you're calling the shot, and you mix in the cameras, but let's just say it's just hunting. If you're going to be that guy... And you're going to take on the, the Axel's coughing. You hear him coughing over here. Yeah. Uh, you're going to take on that responsibility of being the guy that call the shot, call the call, the, you know, use your duck call. And you're kind of the hunt leader, quote unquote, hunt leader. And now you're the dog handler. I don't know if that's a smart idea. I, it's almost like that that dog needs attention, the safety of it. Not saying you can't do it because some people go hunting by themselves. But if you're in a group of guys, I like the idea of being able to have somebody dedicated to that dog. And that's their number one concern throughout the entire hunt. And, and that's true. Um, I mean, you can... Uh, if you're going to try to run all that operation, you may need to make sure your dog is totally steady. Watch us what's going on. And then when everything is done, uh, forgetting cameras, then you can send him out for the birds. But what I've seen with most people, and sometimes myself included, is that uh, you have a dog that's nice and steady and you're out there with three or four guys. And maybe there's another dog in the blind. Um and a bird gets shot, and the dog sits there, and, and you send him out. But eventually, uh, things get rolling so fast. You shoot birds, Dixie, you know the dog's breaking, running out there. Nobody pays uh, pays much attention to what the dog did. He may not be. Pretty soon, he's not as steady as he used to be because, you know, you don't have a person on top of the dog. So, you know, that's what you – and – you know, a dog being steady is for a couple of things. It's the safety for the dog. is It's a big issue about being steady. Uh, they can run out there. It's very easy for them to get shot if they're not steady. 
or you know, or injured really bad, and it can screw up future other birds coming in. Uh, so there's a there's a lot. But when you when you're out there hunting with your dog, uh, for people like myself, the dog is the whole thing. You know. Yeah, and that take you know, and that's when you're, you're going to dedicate your hunt to the to pistol, and you aren't going to worry as much about shooting and. You don't hunt by yourself much, or do you? When you're no, I, I hunt. I hunt a lot of cameras back. I hunt quite a bit, but I may go out with a group of people. But I may be over a hundred yards over here, and they're a hundred yards over there, um, and I do that quite a bit. Um, Any more now because most of most of my friends they don't like to go out and lay in the water, you know. And I'm still dumb enough that I go out and lay down in the water. So uh, that's why I like to have a, a, a well-mannered dog. When you say lay in the water, you mean like submerge yourself down? Like well, a, you just kind of sit and wiggle down in the mud and, and just kind of throw something over your head and hide. Like on a tule stand? Sometimes or a sometimes, sometimes in the tule, on a tule stand. Um, I mean, when I was younger, I would just, I tried wetsuits. I tried everything. But... Um, Anymore, you go out there with a little tule stand and get in the tule. And you've got to really watch your dogs. Uh, if they don't have anything to set on, you need to be able to keep them out of the, uh, out of the water, at least partway out of, you know, if they're in six inches of water, their feet might get a little cold. That's why I originally had like Chesapeake's because they didn't mind. They'd go out and lay down. It wasn't that they were tougher. It just it took a, a little longer for it to get to their brain that they were cold. Yeah, they were just... Uh... They're not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it in a little bit nicer way. <laughs> kind of okay, like, well, kind of like some people. With opinions still talking about, you You speak highly of Brad and his training techniques. What are you, what do you think of Axel so far with what you've seen? With I, the, I've, I've never, I've only seen him in the training situations. Right. Do you like and the, filming on, on uh, I mean, on film. Do you on, like the way he, the, you, what you see so far on film and TV and the oh, way he yeah. looks? He's a nice dog. You know, he's obviously very intelligent dog and does a very good job. You know, of course, I, I always had kind of a soft spot for Duff because I used to babysit him. Yeah, well, Duff's, in, <laughs> Duff's back at boot camp right now, you know. I know it. He's mm-hmm. a, but this dog right here, he's a master hunter. He's a hunter retriever champion. And we're offering him, you know, breeding now to qualified females. And there's a lot of interest, you know, people. Oh, are, I'm sure. And his puppies sure. are, his puppies are going to be solid. You know, because, uh, uh, I don't know a lot about animal husbandry, but I know the male is a, a big part of it. But so is the female. And uh, what I understand about it, people do look into the like the second generation when they're going to breed maybe his father uh, or, the, or the bitches' um, uh, um, heritage and see where they're at. The pedigree? Yeah. Yeah, and that's what we're trying to do now is – Brad does a really good job with his, you know, all everything at Mossy Pond with his vets. He's got a full-time vet on staff. I know, staff. that's what he told me. I mean, think about that operation to have that. But he, you know, they really break down the pedigree and, the, you know, what what is going on with the female. And if there's interest out there, we want people to know that, you know, Axel's available now. And he's he's a rock star, man. He's a, That's why we named him Axel for Guns N' Roses. And that's your favorite band of all time. Yeah, whoever they are. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. But you know, I don't, and I don't know what your your program is for breeding. If if do you just just to selected females, or I mean, I, I'm sure that females may have to meet a criteria before you're going to breed to them too. 
I would think. I don't know. but That's what I'm saying is that when we get an interest from the owner of the female, like we just got another one this morning, hey, I'm, I'd really like to discuss breeding my female to Axel. Um, and then, you know, they get put right in touch with the entire organization over at Mossy Pond Retrievers, and they go through everything. They get all the documentation. They do all the forensic audit on their background yeah. and, and, and her pedigree and her health and her hips and eyes and teeth and all of that. And, and the e, the exercise, the ECT, what's, I don't remember the name of it now. I'm learning this as I go. Go, yeah, but they're looking into everything, and they want to, they well, want to make sure that the breeding goes to qualified females. You know, and you have to because if you were to breed him to unqualified females, you may come out with some pups that aren't that good, and all of a sudden he gets a reputation of maybe not being the best producer, and 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 it it's not necessarily him; it can be the female. But so that's one of the reasons they look at the females pretty hard. I know uh, um, my son had a. He had a, f- a female that won the nationals, and uh, th- I mean they they went long and hard before they bred her, um, and, and, and you know so it's it's very important. The, the female is important, and the, the way you're going about this with him is is how um, all, all the big breeders of competitive dogs do it. Yeah, and I want um, the biggest thing with Brad and I is that we want to take our time. Yeah, we don't want it to be to where we throw it all together real fast and just accept anything and just pump them out there. And you know, right, there's words for that that I won't use, but I want to make sure that we do it right and that 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 we take care of Axel and the females. You know, first and foremost. Yeah. No, I understand that. In the same situation, I try to take my time too. <laughs> Wow. I don't know if I don't know if people are even going to get that. So, yeah, I, I'm excited about Axel. I'm excited about, you know, all of the different things that he's already been able to accomplish in a short time. And and Brad says he's just got it. So we're going to hunt him this year. Brad brought him out here two weeks ago. We did the handoff. We continue to talk every day. I have a FaceTime called Brad today to go over some conditioning work. And then he's going to go on the road with us all season from, you know, mid-September through the end of February. And then, boom, he'll be right back with Brad on sure. the trailer. And I think we're going to start trying to run him in some super retriever series and see if we can get him qualified for some of that and winning some of those titles. And you had you had mentioned here a few weeks ago about maybe you and I going out uh, in the morning or, or sometime during the day and do some marks or some kind of training um, with him in various places around here in town when you're when you're not real busy. Will, will you still be able to do that? Well, yeah, I don't have any tag for anything this year, so yeah. You didn't draw anything. I didn't draw a single tag here or any other state. Um. What what does that allow you to do though? Does that mean that you're going to be more open up for duck season? Yeah, yeah, you know, I, you may you may be seeing me setting out in your parking lot before when you're getting ready to leave. <laughs> you, I don't mind. You know, that you're more than welcome to come with us whenever. Are you going to be able to commit to a few trips to run down to some hunt camps? Oh, absolutely. For, from the waterfowl hunt uh, hunt camps you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I'm not going to go to a trucker camp. Well, I, I know you didn't. I, I didn't know if you were wondering if I was going into any big game camps as, a, as an invite. But Aren't no. you tired of big game? I mean, you're in the Boone and Crockett Hall of Fame. You've you've successfully harvested every species of North American big game from a grizzly to a black bear. I mean, everything from every species of sheep and deer and elk and, and antelope and goats and walrus. I mean, aren't you tired of that? It's, isn't it time to get after the mallards? Well, you know... Um, it all came to an end last last October when I got that last sheep. But um, 
Um, when it comes to that, you know, you chase them for 35 years trying to do that, and then it's all over. So fortunately for me, I've always been a real waterfowl nut. And so it was. it's easier for me to, you know, not worry so much about the big game and just hit the waterfowl really hard, which I'm going to try to do. But there's still, after 30-some years of uh, hunting my own big game and going with other people, there's still that still that spark of fire in you about climbing those mountains. And that's the hardest part. That's why I go to the gym with you all the time, just in case somebody asked me to go climb that mountain with Well, my them. brother did, didn't he? Aren't you, didn't they ask you to go on their elk hunt? Yeah, he did. He did. And I I was a little concerned because I, I'm not sure. I thought he said he wanted me to be the cook. Really? But that makes it, you know, it makes it a little rough. That makes no sense at all. No, it doesn't. Nobody it doesn't. in the history of the world has asked Les Nesbitt to be the camp cook. <laughs> you need protein. You can't just eat lettuce, heads of lettuce in elk camp. That's true. So you've been feeding pistol Yukonuba over the past two, three months. Are you yeah. Are you liking it? Are no, you? I do. And he, yeah, I, I, I did a kind of a ease over from what he was eating before into into this now. I watched him pretty close. Uh, he's... Uh, um, He's not in a. Uh, hasn't been in a hunting situation or a hard workout situation, other than other than uh, going hiking with me and stuff. Um, but he really likes the food. I mean, he's a big dog. He's a he's an honest ninety five pound lab without being fat. He in just, shape. He's yeah. He's bigger than I would like. But um, so he he uh, he handles it well. It it's keeping him going. It's keeping that big old body running around. So. Uh, he likes it. He has no problem with it. And it's it's a good dog food. Yukonuba's been around a long time. When I fed him, he's he's really act he's wanting to go. So when I when we get when we we're at leaving the house in the morning to go to the kennel, the outside kennel, he thinks we're going to train, he thinks we're going to condition, he thinks we're going hunting. So when I get that food bowl, he knows it's time to eat, but he still is like, Man, I wonder if he'll just let you know, if he's just, you know, going to put this down and let me go run a few laps, right? Like he's an athlete. He wants to work out. He wants to compete. And I set the food down. I lock the kennel. I feed him a little bit of wet because I've been doing that for a while since last year. And I sneak out and I act like I'm leaving, but then I come back and I spy on him because I, you know, I, he, until I leave there, he's thinking there's still a chance to go train or to go hunt. <laughs> and as soon as I leave, dude, it is like a pack of lions on a zebra in Tanzania. I turn, I, I peek around the corner less and he's just, and he's just, he's eating so fierce, so ferociously that I'm like, holy, <laughs> like he devours that food. And I've seen that with, and Brad will tell you the same thing. Andrew up at Wild Acre, Minnesota will tell you the same thing. Like the dogs devour it. They don't sit there and eat a couple bites and then tiptoe around and get, a, you know, they devour it from A to Z, like every meal. And I think that that is a true testament of the food, the diet of what they're getting out of it. The taste is there. The aesthetics are there. The feel is there. The texture's there. But they know how they're feeling after they get to eat that. And they just devour the food. And, I, and I'm telling you, I've seen a huge change in my dogs the last two years with you, Canuba. Well, you know, as you say that, with the brand I was feeding Pistol before, he was a, uh, I don't know how you describe it, but you put a bowl of food down, he'd go by, eat a little bit, and then he'd eat it all. And he'd eat half and sometime uh, he'd go in the middle of the night and eat the rest of it. And that was always been his thing. And uh, now with the Yukonuba, I put that down and he'd 
goes in there and devours it and doesn't. He eats the whole bowl of food. He doesn't, you know, just nitpick at it a little bit at a time. He gets he, after it, huh? He gets after it. I, I, I did put a little, I do put a little water in it, make it moist because he was going so fast with it. I thought, well, you know, I'm going to give him a little moisture in this thing. But uh, I never really gave that a lot of thought till you just mentioned that. But I did, I did see that app because it was actually putting it down and letting him feed it a little bit at a time was kind of convenient. But... <laughs> But uh, he doesn't do that with that Yukonuba, and that's the honest truth, and that's something I just kind of clicked in my head right about now when you were talking about that. It's Very interesting. Deal. It's a big deal. I've seen them turn their nose up at other foods. But this 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 diet and these new diets that they're getting ready to, to, to launch, there'll be some new stuff coming soon. I'm excited as heck about it. I've been testing it, and I've just seen huge strides of whether it's weight gain, weight loss, whatever you're you know trying to do. There, there's going to be something for your dog, and I, I, I honestly love the results that we're getting because when you're when you think about what you talked about going to the gym. You're almost 80 years old and you're living like a 45. I mean, you keep up with me and I'm active as hell. Like I go and go and go and I'm on the road, I'm traveling, I'm duck camp, I'm hunting, I'm, you know, doing the things that we do. You're still doing that when most people would be kind of like, "Ah, I'm just going to slow down and don't need to mini hunts anymore. And you're, I mean, you were sheep hunting last year for stones at 13,000 feet the year before 11,900 feet for a desert. Like that's, so what my point is, is that, and you made the, 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 comment you get out of something what you put into it if you got more if you work hard and you put more into your bank account someday you're going to get to take more out and that's when you cut corners is when you get in trouble if you didn't work out the way you did you might not be enjoying the life that you are in my opinion no that's very true when you want to when you want to buy a truck you want to buy something that's going to be safe that's going to be reliable that's not going to break down you want nice tires on there you want safety you want security you want comfortability when you buy a gun you want it to go off when you pull the trigger when the ducks present that shot when you buy a boat you want that motor starting you don't you know what i'm saying so duck hunters don't cut corners so no. when you're going to choose that feed, there there is Yukonuba is is a not an inexpensive food. No, but it's, it's not, not real expensive. But what you get out of it long term, it shouldn't even be like my good buddy Ira McCauley said on this podcast. He says it shouldn't even be a question. Shouldn't even be thought of. It should not even sink into your mind. It should be like, oh, done. He that dog, he or she is the most important part of my life right now. They're that vital to the success of our hunt. Boom. We don't feed our kids bad. We no. don't feed our wives no. bad or our girlfriends, right? We we make sure that we take care of everybody when it comes to nutrition. At least you should and treat your body well because what you put into your body is what you're going to get out of it. That's that's very true. And as, as you well know, like you, you, you and, and myself, um, 80% of what I eat is wild game. And, and, and wild game, and I watch what I eat, and, you know, as you do and as our trainers kind of told us at times. So... We do eat the wild game and or good food. So it's no different with the dog as it is with us. The, the, the good nutrition that I've eaten over the last 20 years um, has helped make me um, able to do the things that I do now. Uh, obviously, some of it's genetics, some of it's just the luck of the draw. But uh, it's the same thing with your animal. You feed them. Or I had horses for 30 years, and we fed them good food, took care of them. My vet bills were way down by feeding good food and taking, taking proper care of them. And it's the same thing with your dog, you know? And it's, what do you tell somebody then? Do you tell them that, that don't even 
let that into your mind. Make sure that you do your research. Figure out why what Yukonuba is doing with their research and development and their science behind their recipes and their diets. And make the decision based on what's best for your dog. That's because these guys are not in a cubicle. They're not just a marketing genius platform of here's a nice bag to catch your attention and a cool marketing platform that we're organic or whatever. Really do your due diligence and your research of what are you going to put into your body. You're not going to go through the golden arches every day. Once in a while, is it, is it nice to stop at McDonald's and throw down a Big Mac and some fries? I tell people, you're a liar if you tell me McDonald's doesn't taste good. If you can eat McDonald's french fries and say they don't taste good, something's wrong with you. But that doesn't mean you abuse them. That doesn't even mean you use it in moderation. You might treat yourself once in a while. Um, but with the dog, with with dog food, you don't feed them real bad, real bad, and then treat them to a good meal once in a while. You got to stay consistent. And that's what, what we do with our diets is stay as consistent yeah. as we can, have a cheat meal once in a while. We might throw a, a biscuit to a dog in the duck blind or something sweet to keep them energized. But for the most part, this Yukonuba diet is something you do not want to cut corners on so when you look at the you're, you're choosing your dog food go off of recommendations by people that are getting high performance out of their dogs all the time with longevity right oh absolutely uh, these dogs especially the dogs that are hunting there's a big difference between dogs we're taking out every day or you know three or four times a week during the hunting season and working them they are a form of an athlete. They're a lot different than the dog that's laying around watching TV on a pillow his whole life. Um, so these dogs that are working hard need need good nutrition, just like anybody else. You go out and you don't eat a good breakfast or, or lunch or whatever, and you start getting a little tired. The dogs are the same way. they got to have the same stuff in their body as we have to have to go down there and put up with our trainer. Yeah. It, it just and that's it, what we do is put up with them but with you saying that what my opinion is is even if you are that human being that lays on the couch and is a couch potato you still should be putting good stuff into your body if you're not working out you might as well balance it with not putting bad stuff because for sooner or later there's going to oh. be a reaction that's not that's going to leave you either out of shape ob obese blood pre high blood pressure cardiovascular stuff same with a dog. Even if he's a house dog, you if he's not getting he or she's not getting a lot of exercise and they're just laying around most of the time, they still need to be eating right. They do. They they really do. Uh, you know, uh, somebody at my age has had a lot of friends that are no longer with us that have been gone for several years. Most of those were the people that were not wanting to do anything. They they hit fifty five, sixty years old, and they just thought, well, it's TV time. Uh, and it's the same thing with these dogs. They say they got to be fed good. They got to be exercised. Um, you know, they 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 really have a a big thing to do with the the whole mindset of what I'm getting at is that it has to do with what do you want in the long run? Because we are always so with our minds the way that we work. I feel that we're always so short term goal orientated to where we forget that you hear life is short. It, it does fly by. But when I'm 45 and I look at somebody like you, that tells me if I do things right, 
I could I could have another strong at least thirty years of duck hunting and and swimming in pools and working out and socializing. Can you? I mean, that's a, a thirty years. If I go back thirty years, I was fifteen years old. There's a lot of time and a lot of experiences and a lot of instances that happen between fifteen and forty five. Yes, does it seem like it flew by? The sun's still going around the 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 you know the Earth the same amount. The, the, I mean, the Earth is still going around the sun the same amount of times, right? Yes, it's still it's still the same the same distance it's still the same time lapse every single time it does it so it feels like it is because we're having fun or we're working hard or whatever our kids are growing up fast our dogs come and go i'm saying that if you look at that with what you could be getting out of a dog when they're three you got to understand that they're not even close to being in their prime yet right axel's three years old right now by the time he's five or six if things are going right he's going to be unbelievable and dog year six is 42 years yeah. old my age that's yeah. not old he could be hunting at nine or ten years old seven more strong maybe ten you know eight or nine more strong years so i'm kind of looking at it as like if we can train ourselves to like we're always just so instant gratifying right we got to be gratified right away like social media got to have it got to see how many likes we're getting we want instant results in the gym people don't understand it takes hours and days oh. and months to get any results out of the gym right absolutely i mean uh, we work out at a gym the dogs have to be taken out and worked out too they have to be exercised just like people um so it's it's important as we've said, you know, that they have the right nutrition too. But you got to work them out just like you have to work yourself out. And as I said a little while ago, you get out of anything what you put into it, be it your dog or anything else you do. The more you put into your dog, the better dog you're going to have. And and I think that that is exactly what I want to get out of you know this partnership with you, Canuba, is what you put into your dog, you're going to get out because. Yeah in my hunts in my experiences and what I've seen your son Kirk do and what I've seen your dogs do what I've seen Brad's and Andrew's and Chris Aikens at Webfooted Kennel and, and all of the dogs that he's trained what I've seen these dogs do is nothing short of amazing when you can have a goose that is flying and gets crippled and goes down six seven hundred yards away in some high brush and you think you can go get him Good luck, right? By the time you get there, you're winded. You're breaking an ankle yeah. in, a, in a rutted up cornfield. You're going through some heck to get there. You're and scaring every other bird in the country away. Scaring every other bird in the country away. Your guys in the blind are upset, and you're running, and you're in, you're sweating now, and you're hyperventilating. You get over there, and what happens? You look around a little bit. What do we do? Give up. Well, I, I made an effort. No, you didn't. You can't smell that bird. You can't no. keep up with that bird. That bird might have his or her head down and tucked up under a thing that you'll never see her in there. They might just be staying idle. They might be playing possum and just staying there. Not, they're not going to jump up like a pheasant does if you get too close. That dog can take hand signals and, and get there and bring that bird all the way back in a matter of seconds, maybe minutes, oh. and be on with the hunt. We're, I've seen things happen to where you're like, there's no way that we'd ever experience that without a dog, a well-trained, well-fed dog, right? Well-trained is the key to it. And it's a matter of how much effort somebody wants to put into it or, or a, a, a non-professional uh, hander of a dog is going to have a hard time. I mean, there are people that do as amateurs to get a dog to that stick. That, that's a lot of work and a lot of time effort. To run a four or five hundred yard blind takes a lot of training for the dog, but it can be done too. And you, that's that's where you look at: Do I go with the pro or do I try to do it myself? 
you can you can do hand signals and get a few of them down, and you can probably run blinds 50, 75 yards with pretty good consistency, hacking the dog around. But it, <clears throat> unless you're an exceptional amateur and you're doing it really hardcore, you're not running three and four and five hundred yard blinds. No, that's that's stuff the pros do or hardcore amateurs. A guy like my son who runs thousand yard blinds in training, uh, but <clears throat> you know. Nobody wants to put that much effort into. They just want a nice dog that's going to do the job for them. What they do. Agreed. I agree, hundred percent that they can have a nice dog. And that I like when people say that's a nice dog. Yeah. Right? That's that doesn't mean that he's nice and he's going to sit there and have. That means that that dog is can get the job done. He gets a job done. But I would argue that if that person, that he or she hunter that has a nice dog, went with. Uh, a nicer dog and saw it it would be hard for anybody not to want that oh when you see my point was when you see it done you're just like i gotta have that yeah you know what i mean i gotta find a try i have to find a trainer to be able to get my yep. dog to no, that level that, that's that's very true that's very true I, you know i can't tell you how many times i've listened to people not out in the but talking to me i've had especially when i was running trials a little bit People would always talk about their dogs. And, and one of the, the most common things people would say is, I've got this dog. I really don't know how to train him. But he's if a trainer had him, he'd be a great dog. Well, I've never had anybody come up and said, I got this dog. He's a pile of shit. <laughs> you know, but he goes out and gets a Everybody's dog would, would be a national champion if, if, they if they had another trainer. Well, they're not all going to be national champions. They're not all going to be great dogs. But if you get good breeding and, and spend some time with them, they're going to be a national champion in your mind as the owner because he's getting everything for you that, that he can. And it's, it's a joint effort between you and the dog, and he's your buddy, and you're having fun together. Are there, is there anything being a dog lover that bothers you about a dog during the hunt? Is there a can a whining dog upset less? Will it annoy you? I mean, there's a lot of things that come with good training that can be taken care of through training. Now, that might be genetics to where they can't stop. And I don't know if I would keep a dog that's just always whining. That that is there anything during the hunt that can bother Les Nesbitt? A whining. You, you hit a nail on the head. Whining dogs and and. Uh, I've been around friends that had whining dogs, and I would leave. I'd tell them, you know, either put the dog in a car or I'm going to go hunt someplace else. I can't stand here and listen to And the birds here, you know that as well as I do. Oh, yeah. Uh, but whining dogs are the biggest. If a dog's not, or or people that let dogs, and I've hunted with a break. Uh, or not only break, I've hunted with some nice old guys, great guys. I love hunting with them. But their dogs would be out wandering in the blind, and they never paid any attention. And they'd holler at them, and they wouldn't come back. And they'd wander over and see what another. The, that probably is worse than whining dogs. But um, you know, it's, that's it's not obedience. safe. It's not safe. There's no, loaded guns around. Yeah, that dog should sit in one spot until he's told a command or she's right. told a command. You can't have a dog. I've seen it in pit blinds where you got guns leaning up and a dog will walk by and knock one over. Yeah. I'm like, it's not worth it. That no. dog's, and then the breaking part of it. I mean, when a guy, when I hear guys oh. or, or hunters say, oh yeah, I let him break because I want him to get ahead. So I'm like, no, that's not acceptable. Yeah. That's not acceptable. Well, it's a river and it's a current. That's not acceptable. You train no. him to go down the shoreline and then come in and intercept that dog. Or there's a, you know, river dogs, you know, that hunt a yeah. current river. They're different, but breaking is a no, no, in my opinion. It's, it is. It's really dangerous. It's dangerous for Very the dog. Dangerous. It's dangerous for the people around you, too. 
you know, a dog's breaking, somebody sees him and pulls their gun up, and, you know, it just, it's just a bad thing. It, not cool. And it, it, people are not happy when dogs break. No. You know? I've seen the the worst happen with it too, and and I've seen it, seen it, and read about it, and have you know firsthand experience of seeing what can happen yeah. with a breaking dog. And it's basically if he's you're in a situation where he's leaping out. I mean, they get shot. Yeah, and they I, do. I there's a local guy here I know that his son shot their dog. It, it broke, and he was shooting oh. and shot the dog. Not good. You know, no, no. Well, I've been reading my notes here and. We've covered most of the things that I wanted to ask you as far as, um, let me just see one more thing. Yeah, I got here, memory of foul life. Do you have one of being on the road with us or something that stands out of a trip? Um, does it, you know, Pistol's been on a lot of hunts with us. Axel's been out there. Duff's been out there with us. Lots of awesome dogs. But is there anything, any people that stand out in your mind that you've met that you got to hang with as this, you know, we've been, you've been going on the road with me now for five, six years. Yeah. Something like that. You know, there've been, there've been a lot of lot of enjoyable people. I had fun there in Texas with the, the people that build the, the grates, the uh, uh, bumpers. Uh, bodyguard they, bumpers. Bodyguard bumpers. They were, they were a lot of fun. That was, it was a lot of, it was, that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Those people were really nice, put up with me. They didn't get me a wood duck like they promised, but they did their very best. They did try. They had some <laughs> yeah. nice sprig. Yes. Yes. You know. And some of the, some, I guess probably the one trip that sticks in my mind doesn't have much to do with hunting was driving 2,000 miles with your brother, him singing songs all the way. <laughs> like knows every word, and every knew, country song. I'd think of a song and he knew what it was. And has to make sure that he sings louder than the radio. <laughs> Absolutely. Like he's trying to prove Absolutely. to you that he knows all the words. <laughs> I got friends in low places. I remember when we got out at, we got out in Wyoming or no, Montana. And you're just like, oh my God. I don't know if I can take much more. <laughs> I'm going to start listening to Paul Harvey and some talk oh, radio no or something. Kidding. You know, that sticks out. The altercations maybe in North Dakota sticks out in my mind a little bit. <laughs> After we hunted on the Missouri River and that yeah. guy thought he was going to pop off. <laughs> yeah. He didn't know what he was getting into. <laughs> he really didn't. No, it's been fun. I appreciate having you here. I think that... Uh, you can is doing a heck of a job with what their marketplace is and their market share and what they're bringing. They support hunting in our culture. They want to be a part of it. And that's a big deal to me that we want to support a company that does that. My buddy Ira McCauley again said, why wouldn't we? It's a no brainer. It's a no brainer. Well, you know, when you originally, we talked a little bit about, and you were telling me about you you being involved with you and, uh, um, I can see the fit for them, you know, and I, I I believe I don't know if they were really into the to the uh, uh, hunting dog. I mean, they obviously they have food for them, but I don't know if they pushed it in the hunting. At one time they did back in the day, and then they got bought out, and then it kind of subsided. And now, with the, under new ownership, you know, they're back with a vengeance. That's that's what you were saying that they were because I know in the in the uh, field trials and the, the the years ago, Purina was big in there. Uh, they they were pushing hard field trial stuff. And and now Yukonuba seems to be back in that market again. Um, they are. So. You know, they're the they're they're our, a great partner of ours. They got with, a big name. They're with Brad and, and and tons of the I mean Chris Aiken and Web Footed Kennels in Arkansas. You don't get bigger than that. You don't get bigger than yeah. Mossy Pond. They they have so many of the top 
field trials and, and, and trainers for field trials, hunt test guys, regular kennels, and then they're part of the foul life. They're part of Ira McCoy and everything he's doing at Habitat Flats and his his stuff. And um, they're just a, they're just they want to make their mark and they want to be associated with the hunting culture. And that means a lot to me that they're that, you know, they are very cognitive of it, but they're not afraid to say, hey, we support the sporting dogs of and duck dogs. And here we are right now on a podcast that they've come to us and asked us to do. And it's called Duck Dogs. And that's what we're talking about. Well, it, some of the some of the dog food companies uh, have pulled out of various events. Uh, the Iditarod, um, uh, that was sponsored very heavily by a dog food company. And they pulled out of it just because of the the, the hassle of, you know, people saying, well, that's, yeah. you know, cruel to the dogs to make them run on that far. And there are people that think it's that, cruel not to let them. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what they want to do. And there are organizations that don't think that these dogs should be out there having to swim in that ice water, et cetera. That's you what know? they want to do. Yeah. But, you know, at least Yukonuba is willing to step up the plate and says, you know, that's what they do. That's what we do. Um, and other other dog food companies have backed off because of the... Um, Big time. I've seen it non- yeah. nonstop. You have any closing words before, you know what, we're eating for lunch, right? I th- well, I, my my request was for fish. But Do I cook good fish? Oh, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. The fish tacos and, I made And I am, I am, well, well I'm, my cooking ability is well known in northern Nevada. And um, so for me to be willing to stay here and have some of yours is... Well known be, for... Well, various things. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you know what? I'm really my salads are are known. I will. I've known you a long time, and I love you. But I, I'm very irritated with you over the the rib judging on my rib contest two weeks ago. I was so upset because I, I would have bet a million bucks and Jim Ray and I would have won that thing hands yeah, down. Yeah, well, you were close, to but get beat you know, by this my wasn't a horse race. To get beat by my brothers, <laughs> like, there's just no way. Well, I don't know. He uh, He's a little bigger than you, though. <laughs> a little? <laughs> a lot, he's a lot bigger than everybody. <laughs> and, and oh, he's not going to want to hear that on him. And there's not a lot of fat on it either. <laughs> he's just a big guy. <laughs> He is. All right. Well, I appreciate it. This has been another episode of the Fowl Life Podcast Duck Dog Series, fueled by the one and only Yukonuba Sporting Dog. Check out all their diets. New stuff on the horizon. Can't wait to launch it with them. Coming soon for the 2020-21 Duck and Goose season. We're so humbled to be partnered with Yukonuba and their mother company, Royal Canine. Please continue to support the partners and sponsors that support us here at the Fowl Life and Bandit and all of our podcasts, our social media, television shows. We are humbled and couldn't thank you all enough for the continuous support over the years lots more to come excited to launch a few new brands soon check us out at the provider life on instagram for all of our recipes we got new cookbooks coming and a new line of dry rubs excited as heck you can do but thank you so much axel come here axel oh he's dead asleep look at he's ready to rock ready to hunt come here buddy oh yeah as soon as he wakes up yeah he's woken up <laughs> axel's with us Hi, buddy check out at Team MPR on Instagram. Check out at Wild Acre Kennels. Support these trainers and handlers that are getting these dogs ready for duck season and they're feeding none other than Yukonuba. That goes for Chris Aiken at Web Footed Kennels too. I love Chris Aiken. You heard him right here on the Duck Dogs podcast. I'm Chad Belding for Les Nesbitt. Thank you all very much. Tom Rashashin, hit that button. This is 2AM Logic. The song is called My Foul Life. <laughs>